I, you know, I encourage men to that all the time. Like, there's not some uh, magic deacon dust that gets sprinkled on your head that makes you suddenly start serving when you're ordained. Welcome to the Reformed Deacon, a casual conversation with topics specifically designed to help local Reformed deacons. There are nearly a thousand deacons in the OPC alone, so let's take this opportunity to learn from and encourage one another. We're so glad you could join us. Let's jump into our next episode of the Reformed Deacon. My name is David Nakla. I'm coming to you from the Philadelphia area. Today we have on our show Tim Hopper. Tim serves as a local deacon of Shiloh OPC in Raleigh, North Carolina. Tim's been newly elected to serve on the OPC's Committee on Diacal Ministries. Tim has quite an interest in the office of deacon. Apart from serving in this office in his local church, he has his own website on the topic called reformdeacon.com, and he's recently republished an out-of-print book called The Deaconship by John Lorimer, originally published in Scotland in 1840. You can find it on Amazon. We thought our audience would be interested to learn more about Tim and what drives this passion and interest in this office. Tim, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, David. Tim, tell us about yourself, your background. You know, what was young Tim like? Did you did you grow up in the church? How did you come to know the Lord? Just kind of fill it in for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, I grew up in Southern West Virginia, which is not particularly a hotbed of Presbyterianism. Uh, actually, my, on my dad's side of the family, come from Presbyterians going back at least to the, the uh, beginning of the Church of Scotland and, and John Knox in the, the 1560s. But my dad had left the Southern Presbyterian Church. He grew up as a Mish kid, came back to the U.S. in the 70s for college when the Southern Presbyterian Church was moving in the liberal direction. And he had kind of left the Southern Presbyterian Church from the 70s until I was 16 years old. But I, I have very godly parents and was raised in a a faithful, uh, independent little church in Southern West Virginia. Heard the gospel preached there at, at church and at, at home. And um, I've, I've three godly older sisters. And by God's grace, and I never knew a day when I didn't know Christ. You know, I don't, I don't remember that. Uh, and very uh, blessed and fortunate for God's covenant faithfulness to, uh, to my family and uh, to me. Uh, and uh, my my mother didn't uh, grow up in a believing home, but a very very godly mother who taught us from a young age. I'm thankful for. Um, when I was 16, we started attending an EPC church after our church had kind of faded away. Uh, and I, that was uh, something of the path to me becoming reformed. Uh, and then I was in a, a very good, I went to Grove City College, I was in a very good PCA church during my time there. And uh, Irvon Hughes, who uh, was, was my pastor, many people know that name was a mentor to me and taught me a lot. And, and really just uh, the, the church, it was uh, you know, founded out of a, a group that had left the United Presbyterian Church, but it was just a bunch of you know old farmers who were looking to be reformed and no glitz and glam, but just, just faithful Christians and, and looking for you know, faithful biblical worship and, uh, and a church that loves the Lord and loves one another. So the teaching was good, but there really there was so much instruction there for me just through the, uh, the body there that uh, I think set me off on a, on a, on a great path. And so uh, basically I was in a PCA church briefly. I, I kind of bounced around after college and another PCA church. And then I've been in the OPC now for uh, 12 years 
uh, briefly in Charlottesville, Virginia, and then now at uh, Shiloh and Raleigh for 11 years. Excellent. Very exciting to hear how the Lord brought you to where you're at now. Did you have any uh, diaconal exposure in those growing up years? You know, I don't I don't know that we had deacons in my church that I grew up in. Maybe we did, but I, I don't actually specifically remember that. Uh, my dad was a was a basically a ruling elder there. And I, I guess, I, I mean, I remember being exposed to the deacons at the EPC church I was at. And uh, although there, you know, I don't, I don't know that I really knew that they did much more than kind of take care of the building. I guess this is kind of a gradual uh, development in my own, just observing you know, at different churches. I we had the PCA church in college were very, very uh, godly and faithful deacons and uh, started to get involved with in church work days and, and opportunities to be around them. And again, I don't know that I really thought a whole lot about their kind of behind the scenes diaconal work, but they were uh, you know, godly men who I certainly wanted to imitate and who I admired. Uh, so it was, it was a good example for me. Frankly, I don't know that I really thought tons about the office of deacon until I was asked to be nominated um, later on. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't actually remember thinking about it a whole lot prior to that point. <laughs> And what is your current daytime work you're calling? I'm a computer programmer um, by day, and uh, I actually fortunate to work out of my home even uh, pre-COVID. And uh, I have a a wife and two little boys and a a third one on the way, and uh, fortunate to get to be home and and have my little boys interrupt my meetings all day is is uh, one of my favorite things. <laughs> and what do you, uh, and when you're not uh, deaconing or you're not computer programming or, you know, shooing the kids off your lap, what, 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 what do you do for fun? In that hour a week? Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm interested in wildlife photography, which is something I don't have a lot of opportunity for. I like to sit on my deck and read a book and smoke a cigar. And I, I'm, I have an interest in church history and specifically Presbyterian history. Um, so, uh, hmm. I, I, if I have that time, it might be found reading something obscure and, and, and probably seemingly boring to most people. But so when you, um, you were approached about being a deacon and that was, would you say about eight years ago? Uh, so I've been ordained now for eight, eight and a half years. So it actually would have been about nine years ago. And I was, um, just finishing up grad school and I, I was 24. Five, I think, and single, and I—I I felt like I was kind of an unusual candidate. Actually, I didn't—I <laughs> didn't expect we had you know, nominations going on, and I didn't actually expect uh, or anticipate doing that at, at that point. The brother asked me to and encouraged me to do that. When you agreed to that, and presumably went through some sort of training process, what surprised you about the office uh, once you became a deacon? Anything catch you off guard? You know, I think that was challenging for me. And, you know, through my early adulthood, I really, by God's grace, so this church in college and, and through some reading I was doing and just through study of scripture, really learned to love uh, the church and the people in my church and learn to have a, what I think is a, a God-centered view of of loving the people where, where he's put you. And at the same time, becoming a deacon and an officer and starting to learn more about you know, some of the warts and trials in the church. Uh, that was an adjustment for me. You know, as a, as a fairly young man, I was not previously exposed to a, 
a whole lot of those things that were, you know, sometimes can be under the surface. Maybe for example, you know, finding out someone in the church who you've admired from a long time has big financial needs in part because they've been very foolish with their money is an adjustment to, to learn how to think about that and to learn how to, to love the people that the Lord has you with, even in that time. And I think, you know, now after eight years, I don't necessarily think about that uh, explicitly as much, but it is challenging in ways. And, uh, you know, I think causes deacons to writers have observed in the past that, you know, deacons are able to really set a tone of peace and love in the congregation. Uh, and I think that that's a, a starting place where we can do that. Even when you see the, the warts and wrinkles in your, in your congregation, you, you can have the love of Christ for those people, uh, even during that time. I love that. You've had your own podcast. You've, um, uh, and, and, a, and a website, uh, republished a book. Um, clearly you have a passion for the office. Um, can you tell us what led to this passion of yours? Um, what events or means the Lord used in your life to grow in you this love for the work of the deacon? Sure. I think um, foremost, I guess foremost aside from scripture, I don't want to minimize at all the you know, the calling that scripture gives, the importance of that, and, and just the, the opportunity to show the love of Christ. But I guess second after that, um, I, as I mentioned, I have very godly parents who... Um, have served faithfully in, in the churches they've been at, um, my entire life. And I mean, you know, I, I was one of those, uh, kids, I was probably in, in church at six days old. I, I can't remember, um, how early, but, you know, been in church morning and evening, almost my entire life and seeing parents who just would do whatever uh, they need to, to serve uh, the church. My dad's now, uh, they moved to North Carolina as well. And they, my dad's a PCA elder, uh, you know, they've, they've been you know, faithful examples and I, you know, I, I actually have never asked the the man who nominated me to be a deacon, why he did, they ended up leaving our church soon after, but I, I would, if I had to guess it's because you know, I came, you know, I've been at Shiloh for a couple of years, basically I've, when I've moved and gotten to a new church, I show up and, and say, you know, what can I do to help? Um, Cause I don't really know any other way because that's the example that my parents have always set for me. So uh, I think that's very much a, uh, you know, a mindset and a spiritual discipline that I learned from them to motivating uh, what would uh, lead to me becoming a deacon as well as, um, you know, I mentioned just reading scripture and understanding scripture, reading specifically about the deacon, but just, you know, the, again, the love of the church, and uh, I remember reading um, D.A. Carson's book, A Call to Spiritual Reformation, which has been retitled, but where he goes through the prayers of Paul in the, in the epistles and kind of takes a theolo- practical and theological view of understanding those prayers and, and the, the depth and the love and extent of God's grace and uh, that you see through those prayers. It was, it was a very transformative book for me, thinking about you know, loving the body of Christ. Yeah, so I think those are not really deacon specific things, but I think those were a lot of the the groundwork that would, you know, when I was asked um, if I would be nominated, that made me like willing and and able to do that. At the same time, the you know the this website I have, so it's reformeddeacon.com, entirely devoid of any 
new content from me. So it's, it's basically a, a fancy bibliography. Um, and I remember someone several years ago, it might've been Joel Beakey saying people have described him as having the gift of bi- bibliography. And I don't uh, know if I'm there yet, but I, I don't feel like I have tons and tons of uh, unique things to offer, but I like to keep track of what other things have impressed me and, and share them with others. And I realized fairly early on in being a deacon that there didn't seem to be tons of resources focused on diaconal work and specifically in you know our reformed understanding of diaconal work. And for years, I had been exposed to a lot of um, the literature that's continually coming out on basically the the work of the elder and the pastor and you know shepherding the flock and that kind of thing. Um, there seemed to be fairly little about deacons, uh, and I realized that I needed to learn more and grow more. Um, so I just started tracking down whatever things I could find through, you know, mostly Google searches, but uh, um, archives of ordained servant are probably half the content that I link to. Um, and, there, and there's some good stuff there that isn't immediately obvious how to find kind of by, by category uh, for someone. And then, um, you know, s- gradually discovering more books that were out there um, and other articles and then uh, I also have the the text of the book of church order on the diaconate for some of our Napark congregations, the scripture references with regard to you know, 1 Timothy 3 and Acts 6. Um, and then I have them roughly categorized things like you know, biblical foundations or practical, practical diaconal work. So I, I found that I started that really as a, a means for myself to keep track of things I was trying to learn and understand as I was seeking to grow as a deacon. And at some point slapped those online as a, a real simple website. And then a couple of years later, I overhauled it to make it what it is now. Uh, and I pretty infrequently add anything at this point. Um, those materials aren't, aren't coming out terribly often. Uh, I do keep a little backlog of things. I uh, There's some older articles, you know, like 19th century articles on the diaconate. Um, some things I'd, I'd like to read um, and potentially post up there. For the most part, I post things that are what I would consider, um, you know, orthodox and and helpful, and post them with my recommendation. It's not just you know anything that's out there from whatever perspective. It's it's very intentionally trying to have a orthodox, biblical, reformed view on on diaconal work. Um, so I know that's been helpful to many and I'm thankful for that. And, uh, if there are ways, you know, things people see that could be helpful in other ways, uh, I'm always happy to take feedback. I think there's a way on there to contact me. Uh, I'm looking forward to how my interest with that will can overlap with, uh, work on the CDM. I actually have some ideas of you know, maybe in the future, being able to pull together some of those resources into, into a single package that we could you know, share with people. So hopefully that's helpful for people. Yeah, that's great. Uh, looping back to one of the earlier things you mentioned with regards to um, your being nominated to serve as a deacon, in my experience, the the best deacons or those who are most adaptable to the work are those who are actually already serving uh, in the church and serving actively. And it's just a natural for them to to be ordained to do what they're already doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and that sounds like that was your experience, and it's a quite a jump start for you in your service, and um, and I think we end up with a great deacons as a result. Yeah, and I, I you know I encourage 
men do that all the time. You know, it's not, there's not some uh, magic deacon dust that gets sprinkled on your head that makes you suddenly start serving when you're ordained. If you're not doing it now, I don't know why you'd imagine that you're you're suddenly going to be serving later. So this is yeah. this is the opportunity right now to to start serving in, in whatever ways you're able to. And along the along those lines, I was just talking with a, a brother at church just on Sunday, and and oftentimes you know we will look to men maybe in their you know 40s uh, or 50s uh, for ordination, and oftentimes they're men who are responsible and and uh, you know um, unfortunately have a full life, and so then now we ask them to add church service on top of that. Uh, whereas they'll be much better suited if they're already serving, stewarding their time well to to serve in the church, ordained or not, uh, such that, um, you know, when it does come time to be uh, in the Lord's timing, if they're to be or, ordained, then it's just an e- much easier transition to, uh, to quote unquote, fit it into their life. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I was, I served for a couple years, two and a half years before I was married, um, and it's certainly been an adjustment even now and after six years of marriage, um, learning how to balance those things. But, you know, I, I'm grateful that not that I would encourage anyone who wants to be, you know, a deacon to need to do that before they're married, but I'm grateful that I had those, those years where I was really able to pour out 150% also set those patterns for my life that, you know, in getting married, it was part of our life to serve that way, even when it interferes with things that maybe you'd wish you could be doing as a family sometime. I completely agree with you. That's, it's a good thing for young men and women as well. And not, not for the goal of, of serving, but when you're young and have time to do those things, uh, the church is a great place to, to use your time and energy. Yeah, totally. Your bibliography has been super helpful. It actually, even as we were f- uh, filling out our own, website opccdm.org um we've very much uh, greatly benefited from from your work and even reference your work so i was going to ask you um along those lines maybe there's um writers in our in our audience do you have any do you have any thoughts on any uh, topics or that that would be useful that are missing in the in the slate of books and articles that are out there where are the gaps that you think that uh, we could use some writing yeah um i you know i I think in some ways there's a good reason that there isn't tons and tons of stuff and that is in part the scope of our work as deacons is more limited potentially than what elders and pastors are, are called to. And I, I think the breadth of topics actually is pretty well covered. Um, I think one of the things that's um, a difficult topic to write about, but is helpful is just kind of the practical diaconal matters of um, things like, you know, somebody shows up at your church asking for money or saying they need to pay for a hotel or something how do you sit down and talk with, with people like that? Um, and those are difficult situations for experienced deacons. Um, and they're hard to, um, write about universally. Um, but I, I, I think that's an area that are, uh, there potentially is opportunity for more, uh, and something that's available on the CDM website is from one of the 
earlier diaconal summits, there were the case studies that were used and I wasn't at that, um, that summit, but, you know, case studies to talk through, um, different kind of scenarios and how would you do these scenarios. Um, and I, I've commended that to people and we've used those in our, our own church. That's a really good, really good resource along those lines. And it doesn't necessarily give you all the answers. And I, you know, I don't know that it, it would be helpful for someone to pretend they could just give you all the answers to yeah. <laughs> exactly what you do in those situations. Um, but we, when we were doing training, we ordained three new deacons last year. And, um, when we were doing training, we got together 7am on Saturday morning for yeah, a month or two and, and talked through some of those. Um, so I think that's a, the, those practical things are areas which are harder to come by the timeless resources. And there's, there are things out there for that, uh, certainly, but I think on the, more kind of theoretical and biblical foundation side, this topic has been hashed out repeatedly and and maybe there's new things to say in new times, but uh, the the resources are out there, books and articles um, and, you know, scripture is only says so much about the diaconal work and (laughs) it doesn't need repeated uh, forever. (laughs) You're serving beyond the local you're um, um you've been a member of your presbytery diaconal committee actually i understand that you're the chairman of your presbytery diaconal committee and now you're you've been elected to to serve denominationally tell us how these these other um service opportunities came about and um and what those opportunities are that you're involved in sure yeah i also last year i became the chairman of our our local diaconate as well um, and it's really only because I'm good at sending emails and scheduling meetings and uh, keeping to an agenda. I get frustrated if uh, s- someone else um, doesn't keep me up to date on things, so I end up just taking over and doing it. So, <laughs> right, yeah. So I we not long, I guess a couple of years after I became a deacon, we had a presbytery diaconal conference at uh, Matthews OPC now Resurrection OPC in Charlotte. And that was really the first time I ever even thought about kind of jacking it beyond our own congregation, much less, you know, regional church or denominational wide diaconal efforts. Like it just hadn't really occurred to me much. So I was really encouraged and excited to see what our diaconal committee uh, at the time was doing. Uh, then chaired by my now pastor, Matt Holst, um, who stepped down from the committee after I joined, which is maybe not a coincidence, but, mm-hmm. and so it was, it was very, uh, just exciting to me to think about you know, the connectional diaconal efforts, uh, throughout our presbytery and the presbytery of the Southeast is, is somewhat spread out. It's, it's difficult. Um, you know, we're not the presbytery of the Midwest, but we're pretty wide and it's difficult to, to have those interactions, but. Um, it seemed like a good thing to me. And I left that just very energized thinking, thinking along those lines. And then I was in the late fall. And then I guess at our spring presbytery meeting, um, Irvon Hughes, who had been my pastor in college, ended up long story, but serving at Shiloh as a kind of an assistant pastor for a few years. Um, and he was at presbytery and he texted me and said, Tim, they need someone on the presbytery diaconal committee. Can, can I nominate you? And I said, sure. And, uh, so he nominated me and uh, I didn't realize Nathan Trice had uh, had a candidate in mind that he was hoping for. 
and I, but I won the election. Um, so I kind of got thrown into it, not with very little warning and not totally knowing what to expect. And then we had pretty significant turnover on the committee. <laughs> and so that was in the spring. And then by December, we had mostly new members and needed a new chairman. Uh, so we had a meeting and someone said, I think it'd be good for a deacon to be a chairman. And <laughs> I looked around and <laughs> didn't see any other deacons. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I said, if, you, if y'all are willing to bear with me, I, I've never done this before, but I'm, I'm willing to do it. So I guess I've served on that committee now for five years, I think. And it's just been a great blessing, um, you know, serving with with wonderful brothers and, and an opportunity to serve our presbytery through, um, you know, meeting, uh, meeting needs financially. Um, just through offering counsel at times, we've encouraged our churches every time at Presbytery, like if your deacons can call us and, you know, we're not super deacons or expert, but we you know we'd be happy to chat with you through our disaster response uh, work with, with uh, Mike Cloy, that's just growing and growing. Uh, and we hosted a, our own conference uh, a couple of years ago, and it's been a blessing to me to get to, to serve on that and, and meet deacons and, and hear about other churches and, I think, and I hope encourage our ministers and elders. I'd a- been asked a few years ago uh, if I would consider uh, also taking a nomination for the CDM and, uh, and timing was just not right with uh, family and, and other commitments at the time. And then you asked me again to consider that uh, this time and um, at this past general assembly and, and, you know, my, my love for the PDC our presbytery committee you know, extends to what's going on at our denominational level. And, um, and, and just, I'm very thankful for the initiative the OPC's taken and that, that you've taken in, in your time on the administrator, David, in, uh, in thinking about diaconal work in this bigger picture way, uh, in a, in a way that's somewhat unique in, in our reformed churches and, and hopefully setting an example for our sister churches, so I decided I was willing to to take the risk of uh, ho- hopefully being able to serve both committees uh, together. Now that's my my desire, my plan, um, and we'll we'll see how that goes as uh, you know, my family is growing and things. But um, I I'm I'm very thankful for uh, the work going on, and and it's a joy to mm. to get to serve the Lord in these ways. Mm. I'm glad we found you at a weak moment. <laughs> you know, I, I went, I went to talk to my wife and, you know, I imagined you would say, I don't think we should do this. And I think we had just found out we were expecting number three. And, uh, she was like, yeah, this is the best, best time it's ever been for you to do it. So wow. I, was, I was very encouraged to hear her say that. Wow. What a good, <laughs> what a good help me. She is a wonderful deacon's wife who, uh, joins in the labors of yes, the deacons. Absolutely. Yes. The, huge sacrifice, but a huge blessing too. Do you have any aspirations or interests in church service in which you're not currently involved? I mean, you just, you just expressed, you know, that, boy, we just filled up your plate <laughs> a little bit more, but uh, you know, as you, as you look towards the future and, and uh, just even with the things that you've initiatives you take, is there anything you want to, sh- you want to let us peek into in the, in the heart and mind of Tim Hopper. <laughs> I, my, uh, my current goal is giving away areas of service as much as possible. So at, at Shiloh in particular, I, uh, I've been 
trying <laughs> as much as possible to, to hand off to hand off things, um, which is a tough lesson to learn. It's not something I'm terribly good at. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't have uh, grand aspirations and I, I um, wouldn't encourage anyone uh, to get into the diaconate or um, any kind of service in the OPC for, for fame and fortune. Uh, <laughs> certainly. Um, and I, you know, I, I love my work on these committees, but you know, my desire is that you know, those would never distract from you know, faithful service as a, as a deacon at, at Shiloh, who's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I can be on this podcast and then ready to plunge a toilet on Sunday morning <laughs> if, right. if the need arises, yep. which it has. Um, so I, I don't, uh, have much other than, you know, with the, the website in particular and the book, which I, I didn't mention, um, it's a reprint of a, a book from a early minister in the free church of Scotland uh, that was available in like a scan facsimile copy on Google books, but I read and, and was, was encouraged by, and, uh, so I retyped it and published it first as a Kindle book. And then as a, um, paperback on, on Amazon, um, and, you know, those kinds of things in little ways, um, I would like to continue to um, make use of the technology to to put things out there that can be of use to others. Because you know, I think you know, particularly in, in the OPC and you know, some of our sister denominations, we tend to have very small churches and a lot of churches with zero, one, two deacons. Um, yep. and imagine many of whom feel quite um, isolated and, and don't have other deacons they can go and talk to and. You know, I, I I think those interpersonal relationships are are very good in those situations, but at the same time, uh, there's a lot that can be gained from from reading and uh, and other resources. So, you know, this podcast is an example. I, I think is a it's a wonderful idea. It's something I considered this type of thing a few years back, um, and so yeah, I'd, I'd like to be able to uh, encourage others. So I noticed that your book was on the top seller list. Um... Is that correct? Did I, was I seeing that right? <laughs> I haven't seen that. I don't, maybe so. Oh, okay. Uh, on, uh, it must how be have, in a very obscure category. I can't remember. <laughs> how has the, how, how are people picking it up? Do you have a, I mean, are you able to get a sense of that? Oh, it's sold maybe, I don't know, 50 or a hundred in, in okay. two or three years. Um, I bought a bunch that I hand out to people that's mm-hmm. not included in the, you know, I can buy them at a discount. Yeah. I, I I pr- tried to price it very modestly. I can't remember. It's $8 or $10 or something. And uh, I think it's an excellent book. And I mm. it, part of why I wanted to make that available is um, it just offers a perspective out of our own American context. Uh, and there's some things in there that just kind of don't totally resonate, you know, as in the American you know, situation, um, as well as out of our own you know, modern context and avoiding the chronological snobbery that C.S. Lewis talks about. Um, Mm -hmm. And there aren't, there are some articles, you know, a lot of 19th century debates over diaconal work and various things. Uh, But I haven't come across a whole lot of other resources quite like that, that are 150 plus years old, um, uh, addressing the very same topics that we're thinking about today, but from a different time and place. And I think that's that's good for us. You know, I, I would encourage people to to read that. I 
no intentions or, or plans of getting rich off that. And if you can't afford a copy, you can let me know. I'll mail you one of the ones I, I bought at a discount. Uh, but I just, I would like brothers to read that. I think it's a very uh, helpful resource. It's a good, good plug for a good resource. That's great. As we kind of circle in towards the close of our time together, if you had an opportunity to share three things with a prospective deacon, uh, what would those be, Tim? Sure. I think we've um, largely hit these topics, but uh, one is and don't wait to be ordained to serve. And we, we talked about that well, but um, you know, r- right now is the time. And uh, not only are you going to you know, help directly through whatever ways you're serving in your church, but just serving is an encouragement to your, your officers and hopefully to your congregation as well. You know, I, I try to encourage our congregation, you know, you can come and ask us ways to serve, but even more so just keep an eye out, look, look for ways that you can just hop in and, and start to, um, to offer a hand and, and ways which you can use your gifts. Um, right now is a, is a great time to start that. Uh, secondly, you know, learn to, to love the saints and to love the church. And it's not a, an abstract thing to be an officer. It's a very, uh, uh, concrete thing. And it's, it's a hard thing. And there's a lot of times when you uh, are going to have to persevere out of love, not out of it being just a, an easy, joyful time. Um, and, and so learn to, you know, learn to love the saints that, that Christ has put you with right here and now before you, you know, ever would consider being ordained uh, or installed into an office of serving them. Uh, and a final thing that that's really a, a difficult thing for me is uh, to learn to, to sit at the Lord's feet. Uh, and I, I think often about uh, the story of Mary and Martha and I, as a deacon, very often become Martha and, and think about Jesus saying to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And that was to sit at his feet, like, like Mary did. Uh, and, it, and this is a weekly struggle for me to sit at church and think, does that microphone sound right? Is the temperature right? You know, should I be worried about this person who's not here for the second week in a row? What's going on out in the hall? Is the sanctuary clean enough? Uh, all these things are just kind of run through my head mm. nonstop. And particularly, you know, as we have corporate worship, I have to remind myself, you know, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Um, and that, you know, that comes both, it's kind of mental, psychological, but also something we as our, our diaconate have been doing over the last few years is trying as much as possible for those kinds of needs that happen, just kind of logistical and physical needs that are happening on the Lord's day to distribute that load beyond our, beyond our diaconate. Um, so those things aren't just falling on us because we have, you know, a lot of other things on our minds, but you know, that there's also just a very spiritual side. It's easy for me to be doing things and staying busy. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm good at making my lists and, and getting things done, mm-hmm. but that's, that's what Martha was doing. <laughs> and our Lord told her she needed to, to sit down and, and sit at his feet and uh, sometimes not worry about those other things. Um, you know, so that, that was something that was a, was a significant shift for me, you know, I'm, I'm becoming a deacon, not that I was never aware of those kinds of needs, but as, as I started to feel responsible for so many of those other things, 
Um, so you have to, you know, guard your own heart and and not just be going through the motions uh, there. You can pray for me. That's a, that's an ongoing uh, thing mm. that I reflect on. And then my, you know, my wife tries to talk to me about like, are, are you getting to hear the sermon? Like, are you getting to really take that in? Uh, you know, you, you were up there fixing the live stream yet again, are you, are you able to hear what's happening? Um, and we need to be doing that as deacons and, and all the officers. Mm-hmm. Don't wait to serve. Love the saints and sit at our Lord's feet. Those are good. Those will be the three chapters of my book. Three chapters of your book. Yeah. And a great way to end our time together, Tim. So great to talk with you, hear from your heart and uh, your mind, how the Lord has uh, shaped you and, and and raised you up to serve multiple capacities um, and, uh, and even beyond just with, with how you've been collecting resources and reprinting books, trying to bring more helpful attention to the office of deacon. So thank you for your service and thank you for your time. Thank you, David. And, um, with that, we'll thank our audience for joining us on this episode of the Reformed Deacon podcast. Thanks for joining us. Go to our website, thereformdeacon.org. There you will find all our episodes, program notes, and other helpful resources. And please make plans to join us again next month for another episode of the Reformed Deacon Podcast. Mm-hmm.